0: letter forty-six of letters of john keats to his family and friends edited by Sidney colvin this librivox recording is in the public domain to john hamilton reynolds tinmouth march twenty-fifth eighteen eighteen my dear reynolds in the hopes of cheering you through a minute or two i was determined willy-nilly to send you some lines so you will excuse the unconnected subject and careless verse you know, I am sure, Claude's enchanted castle. Footnote. The famous picture now belonging to Lady Wantage, and exhibited at Burlington House in 1888. Whether Keats ever saw the original is doubtful. It was not shown at the British Institution in this time, but he must have been familiar with the subject as engraved by Vivares and Woollett, and its suggestive power worked in his mind until it yielded at last the distilled poetic essence of the magic casement passage in Ode to a Nightingale. It is interesting to note the theme of the Grecian Urn Ode coming in also amidst the unconnected subject and careless verse of this rhymed epistle. And I wish you may be pleased with my remembrance of it. The rain is come on again. I think with me Devonshire stands a very poor chance. I shall damn it uphill and down dale. If it keeps up to the average of six fine days and three weeks, let me have better news of you. Tom's remembrances to you, remember us to all. Your affectionate friend, John Keats. Dear Reynolds, as last night I lay in bed, there came before my eyes that wanted thread of shapes and shadows and remembrances that every other minute vex and please. Things all disjointed come from north and south. Two witches' eyes above a cherub's mouth, Voltaire with casque and shield and habergeon, and Alexander with his nightcap on, old Socrates tying his cravat, and Hazlitt playing with Miss Edgeworth's cat, and Junius Brutus pretty well so so, making the best of's way towards Soho. Few are there who escape these visitings. Perhaps one or two whose lives have patent wings, And through whose curtains peep no hellish nose, No wild boar touches, and no mermaid's toes, But flowers bursting out with lusty pride, And young Aeolian harps personified. Some Titian colours touched into real life. The sacrifice goes on, the pontiff knife Gleams in the sun, The milk white heifer lows, The pipes go shrilly, the libation flows. A white sail shows above the greenhead cliff, Moves round the point, and throws her anchor stiff. The mariners join him with those on land. You know the enchanted castle. It does stand upon a rock, on the border of a lake, Nested in trees which all do seem to shake From some old magic-like Argandus sword. O Phoebus, that I had thy sacred word to show this castle in fair dreaming wise unto my friend while sick and ill he lies you know it well enough where it doth seem a mossy place a merlin's hall a dream you know the clear lake and the little isles the mountains blue and cold near neighbour wills all which elsewhere are but half animate there do they look alive to love and hate to smiles and frowns they seem a lifted mound above some giant pulsing underground. Part of the building was a chosen sea, built by a banished Santon of Caldi. The other part, two thousand years from him, was built by Cuthbert to St. Aldebrim. Then there's a little wing far from the sun, built by a Lapland witch turned maudlin nun and many other juts of aged stone, founded with many a mason devil's groan. The doors all look as if they oped themselves, the windows as if latched by fays and elves, and from them comes a silver flash of light as from the westward of a summer's night, or like a beauteous woman's large blue eyes gone mad through olden songs and poesies see what is coming from the distance dim a golden galley all in silken trim three rows of oars are lightening moment wiles into the verdurous bosoms of those isles toward the shade under the castle wall it comes in silence now tis hidden all the clarion sounds and from a postern gate an echo of sweet music doth create a fear in the poor herdsman who doth bring his beasts to trouble the enchanted spring. He tells of the sweet music and the spot to all his friends, and they believe him not. Oh, that our dreamings all of sleep or wake would all their colors from the sunset take, from something of material sublime, rather than shadow our own soul's daytime in the dark void of night, for in the world we jostle, but my flag is not unfurled On the admiral's staff, and so philosophize I dare not yet. Oh, never will the prize, High reason, and the love of good and ill, be my award. Things cannot to the will be settled, but they tease us out of thought. Or is it that imagination, brought beyond its proper bound, yet still confined, Lost in a sort of purgatory blind, Cannot refer to any standard law of either earth or heaven. It is a flaw in happiness to see beyond our born. It forces us in summer skies to mourn. It spoils the singing of the nightingale. Dear Reynolds, I have a mysterious tale and cannot speak it. The first page I read upon a lampet rock of green seaweed among the breakers. 'Twas a quiet eve. The rocks were silent, the wide sea did weave an untumultuous fringe of silver foam along the flat brown sand. I was at home, and should have been most happy. But I saw too far into the sea, where every maw the greater on the less feeds evermore. But I saw too distinct into the core of an eternal fierce destruction and so from happiness i far was gone still am i sick of it and though to-day i've gathered young spring leaves and flowers gay of periwinkle and wild strawberry still do i that most fierce destruction see the shark at savage prey the hawk at pounce the gentle robin like a pard or ounce ravening a worm away ye horrid moods moods of one's mind you know I hate them well. You know I'd sooner be a clapping bell To some camp-shot con- missionary church, Than with these horrid moods be left in the lurch. End of Letter forty six.